0: This is Three Valleys Radio, and you're about to hear football bloody hell. It's our idea of a podcast. On the show tonight we've got Ricky Hyatt, I should be here, and of course Hilda's here, and former Yeovil Town player and manager Mr Steve Rutter. Special mystery guest. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to football bloody hell. And by golly, those weather blokes, they got it right today, didn't they? It is somewhat warm. Now, uh, we've got a newcomer today as well. We'll get to him in a second. But first of all, welcome to Steve Rutter. Good evening. And Ricky Hyatt. Hello. And Hilda. Hello, mate. And our new, uh, well, soon to be new addition to the station, Mr Adam Davis. Good evening. And a good evening to you, sir. They're gonna start with um, a little bit of news which broke on um, Facebook last week, but uh, I thought we ought to do it officially on here. Hilda's gonna be a daddy. <laughs> it's all gone quiet. Oh. What's gonna happened?
1: what's happened? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I was explaining that to, explain to be explain me. Me what happened. Sorry, I just anticipated that to be Manchester United transfer news. So you caught me off guard there.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. (laughs) So, um, yeah, tell us more, Hilda. Thank you very
1: much. Tell us more. Congratulations, Um, by the way, to you and Abby. Thank you, guys. Much appreciated. Um, Well, I don't need to go into the details because I'm sure all all you boys realise how it works by now. I think we do, yeah. What can I say? What can I say? There hasn't been a lot on telly recently, is there? No,
0: this is very true. This is very true.
1: <laughs> yeah, well... No, but very happy and thank you very much for all your well wishes. It's much appreciated. That's all right, old dog. When's it due? Uh, January, early January. No. FA Cup third round weekend, if you will. Oh, right. OK, fair enough then. That's, that's good enough. <laughs> so I'm hoping... I'm hoping Yeovil don't get a plum tie away to Liverpool, otherwise I'm going to have a decision to make.
0: Oh, that would be a good one, wouldn't it, eh? (laughs) Oh, dear me. Yes, yes. Um, We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Indeed we will. Indeed we will. Well, let's get started. I'm going to go straight to Steve, because having been a professional player and a manager, he's probably the most uh, qualified to answer this. Um, It was 34 degrees in my garden this afternoon, Steve. I don't know what you've got up in Yeovil, but uh, what was it like being a player uh, when you had a you know had a game in a, in a temperature such as this?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you get used to it, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, As you know, I spent like four or five years in Greece and, and mm. um, you modify the kick-off times and stuff like that. You change your training times. Um, but I think we spoke about it briefly last week, didn't we, about pre-season in these conditions. I mean, mm. you, you're... You're sensible. The, the federations will, will do things like introduce drinks breaks and things like that if it's a competitive fixture. Obviously, you control the flow of training much more than you do a game, uh, and you can up or, or down the intensity as you, as you see fit. So, most people just modify the training times, kick, start earlier in the morning or later in the evening when it's a little bit cooler. Um, elongate the rest between blocks of work, make sure there's covered areas, make sure the people are drinking plenty of fluids. Because ultimately, it's it's the it's the dehydration that causes you a problem. So as long as you rehydrate well, you're normally okay. Um, you know, and in, and in certain parts of the world, you don't have a lot of choice but to operate in high temperatures because it's it's hot all year round.
0: Yeah, but but I mean, when you're actually physically playing the game, right? You've kicked off. You're I don't know thirty eight minutes into the game, and you're absolutely you know about to drop. I mean, how do you go on? How do you get the 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 determin- determination to
2: keep going when you you just want to sit down and stop uh, t- to be honest I've never I've never felt like that I've never had I've never been in a game whether it was altitude or temperature that's got to the point where you're at exhaustion. you you get to know your own body and you you obviously maybe you can't react as quickly as you would like because you're a little bit drained or whatever but that affects everybody probably to an equal measure and you just learned to manage yourself and you, you pace the intensity and you don't chase lost causes and you, you just conserve energy as and when you can, mm. um, you know. And, and some, sometimes you get it wrong. It's like everything in football. You don't, you know, you don't always make the right decisions. But just playing in the heat just means you you have to adapt your style slightly. And as I say, conserve conserve energy when you can.
0: Right. Well, we'll take that on board, mate. Um, Adam, have you ever played in a in a match? I mean, do you play much sport sport anyway?
3: whether I play and whether I'm any good is two entirely different questions. Um, but no, the, the temperature has always been something that has never really affected it as a, on an individual level. I, do, I agree with Steve completely, is that it's because everyone's in the same boat and experiencing the same temperature, the whole, whole intensity of the match changes and how you would go about approaching it potentially from a tactical style may change as well. Um, again, that's probably... Even more determinant on which country you're in. Obviously, the UK, the high temperatures is something we're really not used to, but something in sort of the Middle East and and, and southern Europe, it's it's probably a lot more uh, commonplace. Uh, again, when I've gone out and, and worked in certain countries, it's the the concepts of uh, kickoff times that I'd assume uh, or expect you know, three o'clock on a Saturday. They they aren't just to get there; they just aren't the same in those countries, and that's because they've dealt with uh, the physical elements better than we do.
0: Mm. Hilda, what about you? Have you ever played any sport in this sort of temperature?
1: Um, I can't say I have, but saying that, um, commentary in this heat is just about this. Well, maybe it's not the same. I'm only going by Saturday because being in our commentary position in this heat, the weekend just gone was, um, wow. It was, it was warm. Let me tell you, it was like commentating from inside the center of the earth. It was, uh, it was a tricky old time, but, um, I just wanted to kind of make the point, guys, see if you might be the best place to answer this, but is there, particularly in England and domestic leagues, is there a maximum temperature where it's considered dangerous to play on? Presumably, we've never really got to that point in this country, but I don't know if there's any protocols in place should events like that ever occur.
2: I I think the nearest you've got, haven't you, is... I mean, obviously, they're not that bothered about it because they've awarded a World Cup to Qatar. Well,
1: yes, quite.
2: Um, um, But there were issues, if you remember, a few years ago in World Cup qualifying where some of the South American teams didn't want to go and play in places like Sucre or La Paz in Bolivia because of the altitude and the issues that caused with their players adapting. Um, And then the Bolivians, the Peruvians and the Ecuadorians all said, well, we don't want to go and play in Rio in the middle of summer when it's 37, 38 degrees because we're not used to that. So I think FIFA then realised they were a bit of an opening a can of worms that people could claim it's too cold, it's too hot, it's too high, it's too low, it's too humid, it's too you know, mild, whatever. And, and So I'm not sure they've actually put a definitive statement in place. I'd probably have to look at the rules on rates, but I've not seen a definitive statement. FIFA backed away from saying you can't play over a certain temperature. I think they just said you've got to be mindful of the medical considerations and would probably hand it over to the FIFA medical executive to make a decision. Hence the World Cup. I think in Qatar, a lot of the stadiums going to be indoors, aren't they? Because they don't want to expose to the humidity and the temperature outside. Rick, I mean, you and I, we,
0: we, we've had to suffer it when we've been playing darts, haven't we? So I mean, uh, it, it does exist having to play in these sort of conditions, especially especially in the globe at Musterton, at Misterton, I should say. Um, but yeah, Oscar, I mean,
4: ninety minutes. Uh of uh, playing football in the sunshine can't compete with uh, two hours in the globe and missed it no
0: precisely Precisely, a couple of pints on board Um, that's a real test of stamina that is what about cricket though you've had to play some hot cricket matches I should think
4: Uh, we played Saturday and there was a protocol brought in across the league that uh, we had drinks breaks after every 10 overs and that was that was this Saturday just gone because of the because of the weather and presumably if it doesn't get any better it'll be the same next week so you just have to be sensible with it, really, don't you? Yeah. And yeah. didn't the Premier League, when the Premier League came back after shutting down for COVID, didn't they have water breaks in that as well? So, I mean, obviously there are uh, precautions that you can take.
0: I think you're right. I think they
2: did, to, just to start with. Does that ring a bell with you, uh, Steve? Yeah, listen, they give the leagues dispensation to, to do all sorts of things, and, like, putting in extra water breaks. Um is a pretty common one, isn't it? You know, they did it. I think they've done it in a few major tournaments at various times as well. So, yeah, it is about it is about common sense. What what gets me is that, you know, we have people go away on holidays to countries that are far hotter, and we're having two or three days of these temperatures, and everybody's falling apart. Yeah. We have become one flaky nation. We really are. Yeah. It's too hot, so the railway lines are going to buckle. It's too cold, the railway lines are going to freeze. You know, it's too wet, we can't go to work. It just I don't know. Be sensible, and you know, if you have to modify by changing kickoff time or having an extra water break, then you know, I I think that's that's reasonable. I don't think you ever put them under such extreme stress that it's going to be it's going to be a major problem. Not unless they've got an underlying medical condition which you don't know about.
0: Yeah, but uh, Steve, you you've um, finished in Greece now. Um, Just just tell the listeners exactly you know what you're going to do now because I'm sure they'd be interested to hear, and uh, it is quite an exciting sort of uh,
2: adventure you're off on. Well, uh, yeah. Well, apparently, if somebody's desperate, I can fill in at short notice, doing a bit of commentary every now and again. So. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Yeah,
0: I do. I, I know a bloke <laughs> who's very desperate for that, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. I heard that. <laughs> now I'm. Um, I, I sort of mixed my time really since I've been into coaching. Some of it in club-based football because I wanted hands-on experience, but a lot of it in, in in coach education, coach development. So, my my primary role now is to go to different parts of the world and deliver coach education programs for either national federations or organizations or or the international confederations like a an afc in asia or, or CAF in, in africa something like that so that's what i'll be doing from from now on yeah going around working with coach education
0: but presumably only when they're desperate
2: Yes, <laughs> or if they're paying
1: <laughs> Tell you what, Steve, your career's gone in a different direction. Now you're a potential understudy to Dave Pryor on local radio. Yeah, you what, I I, can... <laughs> well, I hit the
2: heights and a, and a weekend at Western Supermare at the same time. I, yeah. I couldn't be so lucky, could I? All right. expenses paid as well. I know. Yeah, oh. I've got that written down, mate, all expenses paid, don't you worry. No, be careful,
4: right. Steve. Be, Steve, be careful, he's a very fertile man.
2: yeah. Shut up, you. You might
4: might want to keep your distance. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) At least I don't go chucking bloody pork pies around the place anyway. Um, Yeah, now then, this is for you, Hilda. Um, You've seen both your your games so far. Um, Mm -hmm. What are your comments?
1: Um, So, I'm only really going to touch your game. The game, Tuesday night, it's Taunton. Mm -hmm. Um. Finished nil-nil as you all would have seen, the listeners would have seen, and it was very much a first pre-season match of the season. Lots of changes. First time this Yeovil team had been put together. It was extremely warm. It was, it was nice passages of play. There wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances, very disjointed in the second half because of all the changes, not a lot to really report on. It was just an opportunity for Chris Hargroves to just get some minutes into the players, I think. Um, Saturday, it was a little bit more of a contest. Possibly you could look look into it and say that they were playing League One opposition, so that does um, up the game a little bit, up the tempo, but the temperatures were, I think... The highest was 38 degrees at Hewish Park at one point on Saturday afternoon. So, like you boys were touching on, there were um, enforced drinks breaks along the way. But just in terms of Yeovil's performance, um, really good. Nice passages of play. They looked like they really wanted to try and uh, pass the ball around, play the right way, in inverted commas. And if you just take the result in isolation from the performance, there were probably... Unlucky not to win it purely because the goal that Exeter scored. Um it was just an unfortunate ricochet in the box and it fell to the Exeter striker Matty jay who just first time finished into the far corner. But second half, as much as the first half was much better than the whole game at Taunton, second half again was very disjointed because Exeter City changed their entire team around around about 60 minutes. Yeovil the then had more trialists than Um, registered players on the pitch and then it just got very disjointed and it got very disjointed in the commentary box as well because by that point couldn't work out who anybody was there was no shirt shirt numbers either which made it even more difficult to uh, to commentate on which um, for the listener must have been very much a case of listening to centre-mid passes to left wing, back to centre-mid, through to the striker. And it was like that for the last 20 minutes. But there was a lot of positives to take for sure, certainly in that first half. And what's it next? It's another tough test, isn't it? Because Plymouth were going well in, in League One at the moment and um, be another chance to for the trialists to try and make a name for themselves.
0: I see uh, you have re uh, Alex Fisher and he played against Exeter. What
1: did you make of him? Really good. Um, I think that the fans were split between if it was going to be that main man to, to fire us towards the players at uh, the playoffs and onwards. Um, when he was here last time was the year that we got relegated. And to be fair to Alex Fisher, I think it was 13 goals in a really poor Yeovil team at that time, which was quite a handy return. Since then, he's been to Exeter and Newport. I think last season it was one goal in 22 appearances. So if you're signing him to try and be that 20-goal-a-season striker, I'm not sure if that's necessarily what you're going to get out of him. Having said that, Yeovil signed Malachi Linton this year, who was on loan at Kings Lynn last season, looked really lively, 20-year-old. And Fisher was really linking up well with the strikers and the, um, the trialists that came on in the second half. He was winning every ball, and if he's there to sort of play that Giroud mould, if you like, who's not necessarily going to get you the 15 to 20 goals but can link everybody else, then he'll be worth his weight in gold. So it'll be interesting to see um, if he manages to match that with goals or just becomes a key asset in playing everybody else in around him.
0: Um,
1: Adam, have you ever done any uh, match commentary on radio or anything? Never had the privilege.
0: Oh, do you you could do it?
1: We're going to... We're going to become best friends, Adam. But you've got a long journey down here, I believe. <laughs> I certainly do. But yeah. uh, I'm
3: happy to do away matches.
0: Yeah, excellent. Right. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But um, of course, as well whilst we've got understudies such as Mr. Rutter on, you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be hard to slot you in. I think that's the thing. You know, isn't it, Steve?
2: Oh well, not after the weekend, it won't be, mate. No, no, <laughs> you'll be crying out. You'll be crying out for new blood.
0: Anyway, it's, it's not this weekend. It's next weekend, I think, or whatever. Yeah, I know,
2: mate. Yeah. I mean, anyway. the Alex Fisher thing is interesting, isn't it? Because, like um, Hilda was saying, he's, I thought he did really well when he was here before. He looks really gay. He did. He's 32 now. He's a bit older, but he's, he's got a good brain. He's a really good focal point for your attack. But yeah, he I just I did some stats on it. He scored four goals in 56 games since he left Yogle.
0: Hmm.
2: And when he was at Yogle, was the only time in 11 seasons he's got double figures in a season. Um Prior to that it was eleven eleven years before that when he was out in Spain, I think he was Jerez. Yeah. Um, so he's not he's not a prolific goal scorer, but I think what he is is a real focal point. And if you've got plenty of legs around him, then then that's I think you need that at the National League level. You need a physical focal point that you can play into and offer to give yourself a chance to get up with the pitch. So I think he'll do a good job.
0: Yeah, well I remember him you know vaguely because I was still there then I think when when this happened, but um yeah, no, he's he's a good player, I think. Um, Well, moving on... AD, sorry,
1: I just have a quick question for Adam, if I may. Hmm. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, mate, but I just wondered if you could tell us any facts about Yeovil Town that you might have in your locker and what you know about us.
3: Well, as much as I do live far away from Yeovil now, I have always been a Yeovil Town fan. So I have followed them extensively and have a terrible sponge of just remembering useless facts. Uh, and it's often surrounding around Yeovil, which has always been what I'm quite pleased about. I still remember... In fact, I remember Alex Fisher's debut, and it wasn't along the lines of the story of him having to drive down from Motherwell on the day to make his debut in the FA yeah. Cup. Yeah. Um, so uh, does that count? Yeah, five Yeah, it was
1: quite recent you saw them then. I thought it might have been a lot further back.
3: Uh, uh, no, so uh, I moved away from uh, sort of the Yeovil area in uh, about 2018 or 2017. So uh, I've been following them since... I was uh, very, very young.
0: Favourite player Up until now, I mean obviously it's all changed this season but uh...
3: I I grew up in a time, uh, my teenage years are dominated by Paddy Madden putting it in the back of the net so he's probably quite high up there. Um, Always had a good uh, soft spot for Alex Welsh uh, Andy Welsh, sorry, and Ed Upson. Right. So very much of the uh, the era when we were um, on the up. Yeah, three solid picks there yeah definitely
0: definitely Do we should we give him? eight out of ten
1: for effort I'll yeah, it. Let's,
0: say, yeah I'll let's take not, it.
1: let's give him that extra two percent uh two out of ten grace to yeah. to bring something to the table next time and then we might be able to look at nines and tens well you did dump <laughs> on him a little bit didn't you goodness me you know he, he didn't, well, yes quite. He didn't
0: come on here expecting you know for you to dump that on him just like that i mean come on. <laughs> Anyway, let us move on. Um, uh, what's his first name, Rick? Martinez. What's his first name? Leandro, isn't it? Um, yeah, Leandro. Yeah. Um, well, he sounds like he's, yeah. he's quite a useful player. Um, they call him the butcher, apparently, Argentinian. The question is, though, what's going to happen to Harry Maguire now when Martinez gets in the team and presumably stays there if he's any good? They've
4: moved to the right side of the two centre hats.
0: Mm. That's what will happen.
4: He's the captain, so he's going to play, isn't he? And yeah, and obviously, Martinez is coming because of the left footedness and because Ted Hard knows him and he sees a role for him there. So um, yeah, it's looking positive because you can't rely on, in an ideal world, the Maguire veran thing would have worked last season, but Brands never fit for more than two games in a row. No. So you're going to need some sort of cover in there. So I don't know, he can also play, has played central midfield in a defensive midfielder role, so he'll get plenty of game time. And uh, he, he knows Ten Hag's ways, and I just think it's a very good... I think, as a as United fan, it's, been, it's not been a bad week
0: at all. No, no, absolutely not. What do you think, Steve? Very do you know forward. much about him?
2: <sighs> yeah, um, I saw him quite a lot when I was over in Holland and Belgium. Um, I, I say this every time, it's a completely different... Um, field when you're playing in the Eredivisie A for Ajax than it is playing for Manchester United in the Premier League. Um, You know, he's had more more passes than any of the other Man United centre-backs or defenders on average in a game, He's more forward passes. But then nobody ever goes to press Ajax because they just stand off them because Ajax have got 11 better players than everybody else. So, it will be a completely different world. It will be interesting to see if guys do press on high against them, how he handles that. but he's gone to he's gone to Holland. He's done everything that's been asked of him there, and, and obviously Ten pounds really fancies him. And has decided to invest a lot of money because you know five foot nine for a centre back coming to England would be most people would say you can't get away with that. Um, mm-hmm. But he looks a decent player, and if he can adjust mm-hmm. to the demands week in week out, then he could be there for the long term.
4: Yeah, the the stats sort of suggest that he is actually more than. Capable in the air, the percentage yeah, of
2: yeah, uh, Edison's yeah, one, however, so it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Yeah. Hopefully, I just, hopefully. I, just think, I just think it's amazing. I think if an English coach had said, "I'm signing a five-foot-nine centre back," people would have yeah. said, "I don't know what you're doing." Um, but, but that's because become, you know, There's this perception that you've got to be a giant to be a centre back, and it's wrong. You know, if, if you can, Cannavalo wasn't big, and he was the best defender in the world, mm. um, and so he's got potential. And I think you know they've invested. A lot of money in him. I think Rick's absolutely right from the reports coming out of the games in Australia. They'll move Maguire to the right side centre back. They'll play him on the left hand side. Um, Maguire will stay inside to the captain. And they'll ship out a few of the fringy players, actually to Inzebe. um Eric Barley will go, the Jones yeah. will go. Um, and they'll keep Varane and Lindelof <laughs> maybe. And that'll be the back four, four centre backs. And they'll just be you know, any permutation of them, but mainly I would think Maguire and uh, Martinez.
0: While we're on the subject of United's new players, what about Ericsson? What do you reckon to that?
4: It's never going to be a bad thing signing a player of that ability, is it? Even if he's not a regular, regular starter. So he, 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 again, he's another one that will bring an awful lot, and you'll get even a chap who's had a, um, had heart issues is going to have show more heart for the shirt than Paul Pogba did. <laughs> hey, thank you. All. Yeah, so, remember. it's, it's boom, boom. an upgrade. Basically, it's an upgrade on what they had before. And you know what you're getting with him. He's a quality player on a free. It's a no-brainer, really.
0: What do you think, Adam? Are you a Manchester United hater or a supporter?
3: Positively indifferent. That- um, that was- so that was- <laughs> it's, it's my whole view of the Premier League. Um, the go first Premier League watch it, and it take, I take great delight in being able to enjoy all of them for certain parts and find other parts highly annoying um but i mean, i think ericsson's actually quite a good pick to me he's a direct response for matter leaving um similar player similar uh playmaking ability i think i would be concerned if he was coming into being the starting number 10 but then again the likes of bruno fernandez are probably a still an upgrade on him but he's an excellent squad player to have um again with with martinez um on the point of the fear of uh, his heights, that's probably been my main concern I've seen uh, across sort of social media. And then I actually went and did some digging. Um, Carlos Puyol was five foot ten, uh, Cannavaro was five foot nine, Franco mm-hmm. Baresi was five foot nine. And uh, so with that, I suddenly became far less concerned. Um, again, he will have the same level of possession. I think the idea from Den Haag will be to just. Maintain a possession style and actually probably go quite far away from what we've seen Man United look like in the last five years. Uh, Very much a counter-attacking side, uh, which never really seemed to fit the players. Because the idea, in my opinion, was uh, if you are to press and go for a counter-attack, you actually need players that actually want to press. So um, this will be a major change, but I think very much uh, in a positive way.
4: When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation.
0: Three Valleys Radio is the broadcast partner of Yeovil Town Football Club. So if you support Yovaltown, we are the station for you. And so are the Green Army Facebook and Twitter social media channels. So for anything Yeoviltown on social media, join the debate on the Green Army Facebook page and Twitter platform. Visit our website,
2: www.ajwakely.com for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913.
0: Hey, are you going to the Yeovil Ukulele Festival? Sunday the 4th of September at Haysbury Mill near Crookern. Eleven o'clock in the morning to nine at night, with big acts from the ukulele world, including Plastic Jesus, Tricity Vogue, The Hedge Inspectors, Eighties Icon Sam Brown, Pete Brown, Hester Goodman from the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain, and local duo In Sync. there's a famous talky queen. She looks a flapper on the screen. She's more like tickets a- are available from the website www and on the door and it's all in aid of mind in Somerset hard, this... there'll be performances across two stages workshops, drum and sing-alongs, trade stands, food, raffle and more so make sure you get there September the 4th at Hazebury Mill near Creukern <laughs>
1: I agree with what all the boys have said, really. I mean, like with, with Eriksson, obviously it's a difficult one in terms of obviously what he went through. But if you were to take that out of it, you'd be looking at a £60 million player upwards, wouldn't you? Mm. So, I mean, like Adam touches on, yeah, OK, if you just bought him in being the main man, there might be an element, sort of, a few doubts about it in terms of how many minutes you might be able to get on the pitch. But having said that, it looks like that they're still wanting to do more business, whether or not um, they've turned a corner in terms of um, getting transfers through the door. Because, you know, as well as anyone, AD, you found it quite frustrating up until this point. But Mm. I still see that you're being linked with names. And I think if Ericsson's one of a number of transfers that come through the door, and like Steve touches on as well, the players that you would expect to be let go still between now and when the transfer window closes, um, you might, might be looking at this, you know, there's even better business than what it might look like now. Um, Adam, what's the, what's the shirt on the wall?
3: It is of a friend of mine who plays for Portsmouth.
0: Oh, yeah. And name? Ooh.
3: Uh, Roden Curtis.
0: All right. Know him, so Steve? He's,
3: uh, yeah, he's still at, still at Portsmouth now.
0: You come across him, Steve? Yeah, he's a front player, eh? Yeah. Any good? Adam? Oh. He's a front player,
3: right? Yeah, le- left winger. Um, yeah. Has been there for about four years now. He's actually the uh, he's the top goal scorer for Portsmouth in the 21st century. Broke it yeah. last season. Um, beating Yakubu's record, which I thought was a particularly good one. Yeah. So, I thought Steve said he's a pub player. I thought, blimey, Steve. That's a bit <laughs> of <life."> a <laughs> hey, That
1: would be like the quality of my commentary next week.
2: Don't worry about that, mate. Yeah, or he's a top player.
0: <laughs> You took the words out of my mouth there, Steve. I was just about to say, getting warmed up for the commentary. <laughs> um, Adam, just before I forget, when uh, Zoom cuts us off, as it will do after 40 minutes, just redial in, okay? Not a problem. Right. Um, moving on then, um, Steve, your best one for this. Um, this business with the money at, at Barcelona and the, and the, you know, um, de Jong and what have you, but am I. Right in saying, I know that they've got all these so called players signed, Lovendesky, and uh, I don't know, what's his name? I can't think of his name, yeah, yeah, from Leeds. Um, but am I right in saying that they can't actually play for them yet until they sort this whole of this money issue out?
2: Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, I have absolutely no idea because. I'm pretty sure sometime last year they were bankrupt and couldn't sign any players, and were getting rid of players, and, and that's why people like Messi were leaving because they couldn't offer them new contracts that they wanted and all that. And now all of a sudden they're spending 60 million pound on players and wedging people up, and I have no idea what's going on. And I'm pretty sure that the um, it probably falls foul of the FIFA fair play and financial fair play regulations,
3: but who am I to cast aspersions? If I can jump in, um, so. Having watched it quite sensibly, I I work in sort of sports finance outside of uh, my fledgling career in uh, uh, local radio. And it's Barcelona is a complete enigma because nobody quite knows how they're doing it, but they have a few ideas. So the the key thing that La Liga has that the uh, Premier League doesn't have is a salary cap. And it's dependent on uh, your revenue. So inherently, Real Madrid and Barcelona's salary cap is far higher than the rest of La Liga because they earn so much more money. However, once you hit that level, you can't register any more players. This is why they had to get rid of the likes of Messi um, to to get off large uh, chunks of the wage bill to then try and re-register players that they were trying to do last year, and they're now suffering from a similar problem again. This is... This is why there is this general reluctance to sell Frankie de Jong to to Man United, which has obviously been highly rumored for the last couple of weeks. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the key issue is that Frankie de Jong doesn't really want to go. Um, but they're still very much signing players on the hope that it will eventually sort itself out. On top of that, they've also recently sold a lot of their commercial rights to a private investment firm in the US. It's effectively a giant payday loan. But what it does is it massively extends the amount of money available to them so they can go and sign Lewandowski for 50 million and Rafinha for for 60 million and very much just trying to hide all the problems under the rug, um, of of which it will eventually come to bite them. But I think their idea is very much to just keep pushing on uh, until it's someone else's problem. Right. Well, thanks for
0: that little input. That's good for the man who knows. But um, it just does seem a little bit unfair. But I mean, you know, how could you owe a player 17 million? Now, I know I know why, because he deferred some wages. Fair enough. Yeah. But 17 million, for Christ's sake, I mean, that's not peanuts, is it? That's a few few weeks
1: about days. Days. That's the problem.
2: Yeah. And that's the Young and he doesn't want to leave, A, because he doesn't want to go to Man United, and B because he doesn't want to forego the seventeen million that he's owed in unpaid salary. And you can cannot... So he's saying to them. You can hardly blame him though, can you? No, because he, he must, you know, he needed to go with the other eighty one million yeah. he's earned. No,
0: it's
2: just... how is he expected to survive if he loses that, eh? And he goes to Man United on three hundred and fifty grand a week. Oh, how can no. he possibly still? No chance, has yes.
0: he? He's going to be down There's the food kitchens straight away, isn't he? The food the <laughs> food bank, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's an amazing situation, I must admit. But uh, I was listening to Graham Hunter on Sky Sports News this week and uh, they were asking him and he, he went into it all chapter and verse. But he did say that he thought it was 30-70, um, obviously, against him signing at the moment. But he had an inkling that he thought But when it got to the end of the uh, transfer window, if it hadn't happened by then, he thought it would be 60 40 that it would happen at the end of the transfer window. So I'd be interested to see what happens, wouldn't it? You know? It'd be nice for the end of the transfer window to actually work for United
4: once, rather than picking up Fellaini <laughs> yeah. and Falcao and everyone else, all the players that other people didn't want, to actually get someone that they want in at that stage would be quite nice.
0: Yeah, it will, wouldn't it? It will, Rick. You're right. You're right. And then of course we've got to ask. Just not him. sign Fellaini.
4: No, just Sorry? don't ever sign Fellaini under any circumstances ever. Sorry, carry on. Oh,
0: he's your mate though, Fellaini. On the chest. <laughs> Pardon? He's your mate, and he Fellaini.
4: I'm sure. I'm sure he's a
0: lovely man. But uh, I've got a
4: table. He can. He can actually trap a ball further than I can kick it. <laughs> this is the standard of this man.
0: Never
4: but he's gone it.
1: now anyway. So yeah, move
4: okay. on.
1: You keep taking Paul, the tablets. Paul Thorpe sorry. on the other hand can Paul Thorpe on the other hand can only dream of hair like that.
4: Do you think he does dream of hair like
1: that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Not in this heat. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. He's winning in this
0: heat. He he's is. he's on his way to Spain today or tomorrow, Leaport, uh, Steve.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Gone on How yeah. eh? the how the other half
0: live, eh? <laughs> now what about Ronaldo? <laughs> Where do we see all this finishing, then? Come on, let's have some input on Ronaldo. Well, all don't,
4: rush,
1: not all at once. Did I see the sporting Lisbon rumours have been quashed now? That yeah, was kind of more himself. a... Um,
0: There's a new one now, Atletico Madrid. A, a
1: fantasy. A fantasy. I don't know. I, I, could see, I could see Bayern Munich being a fit, I suppose. Um, whether they would well i guess there's a gap now that lewandowski's now off the wage bill i don't really know what their finances are like in terms of what of how much they actually uh, give their top earners presumably mané's come in on quite a chunk now um paris probably is a little out of the question because they've already because of who he's on the the wage bill um, i know some people would still quite like the romance if you want to call it romance of messi and ronaldo playing together but maybe this is the wrong Time of their career to, to do decade, that possibly day. wrong, decade, wrong decade. decade yeah exactly but if he wants Champions League and doesn't want to go to America or or anywhere like that to to, to sort of end his career he's short of options really mm. if there was he wants the money that they're reporting
4: I, I saw a thing on the in the uh, Athletic today they tweeted something it said you know uh, about Ronaldo. And all the issues around him, and said, uh, apart from goals, what's he ever done for United? And it put me in mind of the Romans.
0: Yeah. What
4: the Romans, what the Romans ever Romans done?
0: done. What well, roads? <laughs>
4: Education, sanitation. Yeah, all, yeah. Ronaldo's done nothing.
0: Um, what about yeah, Af- what about Atletico Madrid though? Apparently they're, they're, he's being linked with them now, and Diego Simeone. Do you reckon you go there, Steve?
2: Oh, to be honest, I, I don't know I can not I c I can't I can't see it personally. I think he likes all of his players to really graft and work hard. Um, very disciplined, organised side. There's no there's no
1: place for Maverick to individuals. Um, I mean they were talking about his pressing Steve at United. If he goes to Atletico yeah, Madrid, that, he'll be laughed out of town, wouldn't he? Yeah. I, think,
2: yeah, I mean the reality is he's he's just in that horrible position then he? He's too good to drop right out of contention and just go to Saudi Arabia for 200 or 300 million pound that they offered him over two seasons, whatever it was. But he's not good enough to really attract the big hitters anymore to, to want to break the bank and take him. So, I mean, he's in a, in a really awkward position. I think it will be. I'll be very surprised if he leaves Man United in the end. I know he said he wants to, be, but he's, st- he's still got a few
1: years left if you, if uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is anything to go by. Because did I see he's just signed a further yeah. 12-month deal with AC Milan yeah. at 41.
0: That's my next topic to come up. You must be psychic, old dog.
1: And what a link. Aye. What a link.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, if anybody can do it, I reckon Zlatan's the boy. 41, I mean, you know. What do you think, Adam? Yeah.
1: Sorry, say that again.
0: I said I think if anybody can play and and play effectively
3: at 41, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is the man. He certainly is. It's only now that we're seeing in the last 12 months he's actually got any notable injuries aged age 40 I'm I'm 23 and are in a worse physical state than he is so uh, no I think I think it's really exciting he seemed to play extremely well at Milan Uh, very much uh, it was a system that was built around him and I think that sort of very much is the link back to Ronaldo again of there are clubs that are capable of paying for him and probably are willing to, but are you willing to entirely change your uh, tactical style to fit him in? Um, the likes of Man United definitely tried to, to an extent, uh, but Atletico Madrid certainly wouldn't, and it's why I would certainly discount it. You can't discount the fact that you know he put in nearly 500, 600 games for Real Madrid. That can't imagine really go down well either. Mm. Um, I think to me, the only place I could really see him outside of Man United is Bayern Munich.
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, I mean, they, they hate him at Atletico, by, by all accounts, the fans do, because of the, oh, link, yeah. the link to Real Madrid. So, uh, I, I think, you know, that's that's. you're right. I think it's probably a, a non-starter, really, I think. But you never know. You never know. Now, next on my list, can you tell me what's next on my list, Hilda, since you've obviously had a look at it? <laughs> um, what else has happened this week? Uh, How does Adrian's up? brain work, Hilda? Okay, next topic of conversation. Jesus at Arsenal. Is he gonna be a success or is he not?
4: Go on, um, Rick, you
1: look like you're is it the tip of your tongue there?
4: I was just I was just thinking, I I don't think that under twelve should be able to head the ball. <laughs> Sorry, Adrian, you had to be there. Jesus at <laughs> Arsenal. Yes, it'll work. He's better than the last two lads they've had trying to play up front, so I can't see any reason why he won't work.
0: So that being the case, why didn't United try and buy him, I wonder? Who did he play for before? Well, I know that, but even so, you know, it doesn't mean he's... Have can't. you just answered your
4: own question?
1: You know? I suppose I have, yeah, yeah. All
0: right. I'll, okay, stand,
1: okay. I'll stand i That would be quite something, wouldn't it? Because City have been happy to sell their players to other rivals, and then if Man United still bid, still saying no, that would have been quite quite funny talking
4: of the United City thing there was one thing I found out this week that you would you could have knocked me down with a feather when I when I read it and that was Raheem Sterling's United fan growing up
0: no is he who would
4: have thought that cool. yeah when oh. he was growing up apparently he was a United fan and he ends up playing for the Finn tippers in City amazing he only needs Leeds and he's got the Holy Trinity
0: yeah absolutely anyway moving on Eden Hazard sort of forgotten man of football reported to be an absolutely sensational player Goes to Real Madrid, gets injured, apparently eats a lot, probably alongside me. And now, all of a sudden, he's having (laughs) the right fight back from nowhere. What do we think about that? When did you sign Uh, for Real Madrid? I didn't, but I do tend to eat a lot, same as him. You just said, just
4: like me.
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) eat, 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 Rick, eat. Eat. Pardon? will forget it. Anyway, uh, what do we reckon? (laughs) Somebody? He's not
1: the first player. He's not the first player that's that's peaked not necessarily too early, but peaked at a point where they get a big move or they get an extended contract, big new contract, and then you just never really hear from them again. It does happen for lots of different reasons. It does seem like from the reports if they're to be believed, like you've just touched on, he hasn't necessarily Helped himself quite often comes back to training um, overweight, not in shape. And then he's always sort of on the back foot trying to recapture that form. Yes, he's had injury problems, but I just think of players that had been really good at a young age. Like I think of Torres, for example, um, did really, really well. Then he started to fall off a cliff a little bit. And by the time that he went to Chelsea, he was just an absolute shadow of the player that he was. Um, when he was at Liverpool, we never really captured it back. Um, well, there's
4: another example of that just in the, just in the last week. Jack Wilshere. Yeah.
1: Is yeah. Thirty
4: years old. Young?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thirty years old. He's burnt out. Mm. Where's well. Theo Walcott now? Is he at Everton still? He's kind South- of South- Hampton, back. To, isn't he? Back, to South- I was back at Southampton. Exactly. But you're asking yourself, where is a player when, yeah. at one time, was supposed to be, you know, had all the potential in the world. And um, and after a while they get to twenty eight, twenty nine, and when they should be at the peak of their powers, it starts to go the opposite in the opposite direction.
2: That's a good point. What do you think, Steve? Well, I think I think there's two elements really. I mean, Hazard um, I'll deal with it in a second. The first thing we're, in England we've got this great thing that a young player comes into the game and he does well for half a season, and everybody's talking about him being the next this, the next that, whatever. We get so carried away with players rather than giving them time to develop and, and fulfil, you know, if they've got the potential, it's not always going to come to full fruition. But we get really carried away and then wonder why they don't turn out to be the next world beater. And then you get someone like Hazard, and as, as Hilda just said, he's doing exceptionally well in the Chelsea side, that plays in a way that really suits him, he's a part of a unit, everything blends well. You go to a different club and suddenly it just doesn't gel. You're in a different position in the pecking order, there's different dynamics, there's the environment, there's the culture, there's a different style of football. Then you pick up an injury and then it depends on you as an individual character. You know, you're the sort of person that's going to just fold or you're the sort of person who's going to fight against it. And people don't know what what the players are like themselves, you know, they don't know what they're like psychologically. Um, But as I say, he won't be the first person who's gone with a massive reputation and crashed and burned. Very few of them, though, really ever then get back to the same level. If you think about people like Alexis Sanchez and people like that, they never get back to the same level um, that was perceived they were going to reach. So, I I wouldn't be surprised now if he doesn't, um, you know, he'll just have a few more seasons, he'll do okay. um, But I don't think he'll ever turn out to be like what people predict him to be the best player in the world. They were talking about him challenging Messi and Ronaldo, but I don't think he'll ever get anywhere near that. Well, presumably, he's made most of his money already,
0: hasn't he, when he moved to Real Madrid in the first
1: place?
3: Rumoured
1: to be £400,000 a week. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. Talking if of... He uh, to try working for Free Valley's radio.
0: Yeah, this is true, mate. <laughs> Get back in your box, Hilda. Uh, after after we congratulated you as well, now that's below the belt, isn't it, really? Let's, let's be honest about this. That's it then, you know. Um, no, seriously, though, Steve... Um, Talking of world beaters, and I'm not taking the piss now, but how's your son getting on in Australia, isn't he? Now, no,
2: no, I'm not not talking about it. Oh, all right, not about it. He's an absolute, uh, he must be either the worst player in the world or the most unfortunate player in the world, right? Um, So, yeah, so yeah, okay, move on, leave it there,
0: move on. Nottingham Forest, um, they seem to be signing a hell of a lot of players. Are they going to be able to blend them all in and and really have a good successful season back in the Premier League?
1: Got a good chance, I would say. Um, I guess the only thing is that you need to look at teams like Fulham that have spent that kind of money before and it's all gone um, breasts in the air. (laughs) That's the nicest way to put it. (laughs) How does your mind work? You tell what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I feel like Steve Cooper, a lot of the players that he's brought in, he knows from his time, um, from being a youth coach, as well as obviously being a full-time manager, because the player that they brought in from um, the Bundesliga, he was actually at Liverpool at the time, but he just couldn't get a work permit to be able to actually make an appearance for the club. And he's gone out and done really well in europe and a player that he knows so he's sort of got a combination of the two there so i think if you actually look at the type of player that he's bought in it looks like it it could be could give him a good chance like anything with um with the newly promoted teams it they're going to rely on their home form and if they can get the city ground pumping and pick up the odd win away from home then it should be enough to see them through but I'm not quite sure just sort of going off topic a little bit who I would fancy for relegation this year I've got well, to give that from some thought I think apart from as Leeds as well as Leeds
0: obviously it's Leeds <laughs> yeah it's a good question what do we think good question
4: well Leeds I mean Forest would be favourites won't they because of the, the size of the club in comparison to those both the other two teams that came up have got Premier League experience so it's okay, going and to be time for budgets. yeah and they're totally going into something new, whereas uh, Bournemouth and Fulham have both been in that yo-yo situation before, where they're in that land between the two divisions. So it's their turn to go up. They'll get relegated. Norwich will come up, and then they'll get relegated, and so it goes on. It just a, depends how Forest, the Forest, hit the ground running. They give themselves
3: a chance. Hmm. I
0: think. Well,
3: I think Brent, the major Brentford thing did, it, could,
0: didn't
3: they? Well, yeah. absolutely. I think. I think the major thing here is actually how they go about playing um bournemouth's team is and i, I think in line with the who do i think to get relegated? and the reason for that is i think it's i remember seeing it in january is that they signed every notable championship player going in the in the january window and inherently that makes them top quality championship players and whether they can make that step up to the premier league is a different matter um, a lot of the major players that sort of led nottingham forest promotions just sort of, uh, Jed Spence and Zink and Argel and things like that were all on loan and have all gone back and so they've had to have an entirely different team so they can put a hard reset on it and actually having players that or can, that could have Premier League experiences. Now they've brought in players from Union Berlin for example where, where it could be uh, all very exciting but I think Bournemouth not necessarily and, and Fulham certainly have a history of uh, being the being the nearly men um, despite spending a lot of money so um I'm a lot more positive about Nottingham Forest's chances than I think I would have been sort of two, three weeks ago. Um, and the football romantic in me would like them to stay up because of the the history of the club.
0: Mm. Hilda, what are you doing? Have you dropped your pizza all over your lap
1: or something there? So you're waving your hands um, about like, like a demented, uh, you know, what are you doing? I don't know if I can say. Basically, earlier, I'm, I'm sat at Abby's desk and Abby's had some face in water and I've just dropped my iPad pen into it. <laughs>
0: What a well. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Um I saw a, head Enjoy by your a...
1: tea, listeners.
0: <laughs> I saw Fulham, a Fulham
1: will definitely
4: go down, by the way. <laughs> Fulham will definitely go down. I just noticed they've signed the pre season perlow, Andreas Pereira from United. So uh that's them doomed.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think they will because I don't rate the what's his name, Silver, isn't it, the manager? Uh, he never he, he seems to be um Shall I say he seems to be well talked about, but but he, apart from he this, he to
4: deceive, Adrian. That's yeah, that's the word.
0: Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I see a headline that says that uh, uh, Conte is turning Spurs into a team of street fighters. Quote. What do we make of that? I mean, you know, Spurs it's have always been enough. a bit of a soft touch, haven't they? Really? Are they going to be turned into a team of street fighters?
4: Well, who's going to be Spursy in the Premier League if Spurs have suddenly developed a pair? No one. Spurs are Spurs. They'll they'll fold as soon as the pressure gets on. They'll fold, no matter what. How many times Conte jumps up and down on the sideline with his wig spinning around? They're still Spurs.
0: <laughs> so
4: end off. move on. Steve.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, no. I mean, in all reality, I think he will get a squad of players and he's he's doing it in the market, he's got a squad of players who reflect what he wants and that will change the dynamic of Tottenham, I think. Um, I think they've got so close so often they know they need something a little bit extra and it is probably a bit of steel. Um, So I think he will will get them playing more resilient football, more going out just to win games rather than entertain quite as much. Um, I I can see them being very close this year. Who's finishing
1: higher then, boys? Arsenal or Spurs?
4: I Tottenham. Yeah,
1: Tottenham. yeah I don't know. I think that depends
0: on Jesus, If he really kept, you know kicks in, I think Arsenal could be.
3: Oh, no, I, I think I think we'll see as we've seen Conte in previous years. He'll have one year where they'll go absolutely hell for leather. Then he'll fall out with the chairman and he'll, he'll get himself sacked, and they all go round again. Are you sure, Daniel Levy is a very reasonable man?
0: It'd be very <laughs> difficult to fall out with. Him. So right. they say. <laughs> um, I see that uh, FIFA and UEFA seem to have sorted themselves out now and um, Monsieur Blatter and uh, Platini seem to have been exonerated. And bearing in mind what we say about this, any
1: comments? Was that just on one bribe allegation, though? Don't know. Yeah. Am I right in thinking?
4: Yeah, that's just one... Op- one of op- I, I thought mean, it was one, one...
1: Yeah, one dealing, because I'm sure... Um, a reporter said to Blatter, because uh, Blatter said, um, I've I've proved that I haven't lied about this or something. And then the reporter said, well, well what else have you done then? <laughs> uh, I think it was just the one, the, the one <laughs> the funniest, charge it related the funniest to. Thing about that,
4: the funniest thing about that is it all stems from a gentleman's agreement between yeah. the two of them. Yeah. Two gentlemen, really? Yeah.
0: Never mind. What do you think, Adam? You, you you sort of studied this a little bit, haven't you? I'm sure.
3: As I say, it's a very um, very thin line to walk on. Um, they've been exonerated in this part. I, I agree with Dave. It's, uh, it's everything else that's sort of hanging over them. that uh, I, st- I still don't quite believe the story because I think, isn't it, the narrative effectively goes that Platini forgot about the money he was owed and then remembered it 20 years later. I'm, I'm not being funny if it's that sort of fees that they were talking about I can't help but feel you'd have nudged him slightly earlier than uh, 20 years later down the line but um, no in- interesting point I, I still don't think we'll see him at the top end of football anytime soon
0: I suppose it's a little bit like um, uh, Frankie Dion sort of forgetting the fact that he's owed £17 million from uh,
1: from uh, who is it Barcelona so yeah Um like you say just being exonerated from one thing doesn't make him a same if someone I don't know if I can say this, but if someone murdered your family but they also donated lots of money to charity, it doesn't make them a saint does it?
4: Except Blackson murder your family
1: in cold blood Get that
4: trending <laughs> uh,
0: Anyway, moving on as we do, Memphis to pie, to Spurs, what do you reckon?
1: Well, I hadn't seen that but if it, it, it helps, helps. Barcelona get rid of some players, doesn't
0: it? Well, they reckon he only want 17 million for him. Well, if they could get him back to something like he, we know he can play, that's quite cheap, I would have thought. Hasn't that got more
4: to do with giving Lewandowski the number nine shirt?
0: Well, it might be, yeah, but you know, it might be another part of
1: Barcelona trying to get the whole team out the door. Well, no. he really wanted to play for Barcelona, didn't he? So you might find it's another Frankie de Jong situation and doesn't really want to go until it gets to about three hours to go of the transfer oh. window and then a lot of Barcelona players will just start to disperse all over Europe. Well, I, I know could... which I'd rather
3: have up front. Go
0: on, then who would Between you rather Dubai have? And
3: Lewandowski. Oh, oh well, yeah. Lewandowski, even if it's just two years of uh, constant goals and he'll move on. Um. I, I thought it was quite a strange one when I read it because I swear Depay's only been in Barcelona for about 20 minutes um, and he's out the door again. Hmm. Probably just testament to um, the difficulties they're facing.
0: Well, you could be right. You could well be right. And then, of course, we've also got a delight or delete or whatever his name is to Juventus. Uh, but Chelsea want him as well, don't they? I should have thought he'd be a good fit at Chelsea, frankly.
3: Did I
2: not
0: read
1: that it's
0: been agreed he's going to buy a Munich? I'm Munich, mean yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but uh, I thought he would have been a good fit at Chelsea anyway. But
1: Well they brought Cooler Valley in now, haven't they? Which yeah. um I'm not quite sure what to make of it because he's been one of those players that has been linked with other teams for the last ten years yeah, yeah. but never moved. Yeah. And then you just wonder why now? And I'm sure that there's it's not because he's a bad player or anything like that. I'm sure he's obviously just loved where he where he is and he was quite happy with what he was doing. That's fine. But you always just wonder if he, especially if he ends up being really good as well. You just I wonder if he might regret not not going to the Premier League or Spain or somewhere a few years earlier. But mm. time will tell.
0: It will indeed. It will indeed. Now was one last topic of conversation. I was going to have. Wayne Rooney going out to America. So that, that, to me, seems like uh, uh, that's going to end in disaster, I would have thought. Um, I don't know what everybody else thinks, but I'm sure you know what I'm referring to. Hello? Zed Victor 1 BD? on your
1: own age. <laughs> no, I no, think Steve might want to take this, manager to manager. Yeah, yes.
2: we'll, we'll try and think what you were referring to, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, on, on a professional level, I don't think it's a bad move for him. Yeah. He's played out there. Um, what do you have a year and a half out there two seasons out there um, his wife and kids are not going this time now staying in England um, he's got a release clause that allows him to leave if a Premier League club comes in to talk to him he's getting a million pound a year net apparently um, it's, it's a nice part of the world so I can't imagine there's a lot to think about it's got to be a lot more of a stable structure than he was operating at Derby County because that was you know he did a very good job there to be fair to him um, under very very difficult circumstances. So um, yeah it's a chance. It's good to see English coaches going abroad further in their careers. Um, interesting to see how he gets on.
4: Do you ever fancy going abroad Steve?
0: <laughs> not not for you.
2: you're sucking it's beyond me. <laughs> It's a better market now, isn't it, America? Yeah. You know, people, people in England are buying players from the American, from the MLS. People are going across there and sourcing players now, whereas before you'd never have bought a player from America. All the young ones like Pulisic, they all moved early, went abroad, went to Germany places, that, you know, and did their football development in Europe. Now we're getting players that have been bought up in America, gone to the collegiate system, been in a draft, gone into the MLS. And people are saying, actually, we'll sign in. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an increasing market. I think it'd be good for him. Have you ever had an opportunity to coach out there, Steve? I've coached in like coaching conventions and stuff like that. Um, They have the biggest coaching convention in the world. The what used to be called the NCAA is now called the United Soccer Coaches. It once a year, um, and it's like six-day, seven-day event. Um, And I've done it in Los Angeles and Baltimore. Um, It's the biggest coaching convention in the world, so it's massive soccer in, in in the states. But the top end now, it's much more professional than it was a few years ago. Um, and the investment is going in, you know. So, it's a good time to be going out there for him. And it's a decent club, well-established in the MLS. So, he's got a chance of a bit of success. Whereas at Derby, he was just putting out fires, weren't he, week to week?
0: Well, Japs, it's, time. Yeah. it's time to knock it on the head because we've run out of time, oh. which is probably just as well because Rick's smiling there as so though he's going to come up with some gem or other. Um, so... <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, uh, if you're out there in listening land. Thank you, Adam, for joining us tonight. Thank you, Hilda. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. And we will, uh, you're welcome. we will speak to you again next week, same time, same station. Good night. You've been listening to Football Bloody Hell on Three Valleys Radio.